can say good morning. <laughs> Welcome to the first I'm going to take this off. Welcome to the first Universalist Unitarian Church of Wausau. My name is Cheryl Hemp and I'm a member of this congregation. I want to extend a special welcome to everyone joining us here and online this morning. Since 1870, UU Wausau has served as a vital voice for liberal, liberal religion in central Wisconsin. We are an intentionally free society that welcomes all people just as you are, regardless of age, sexual orientation, ethnicity, or economic situation. Wherever you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. We are currently worshiping both in person and online, so be sure to subscribe to the church's newsletter, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram for various updates. And we also each week um, have announcements on the inserts in your bulletin, so make sure to read those when you're here. And with that, let us gather our hearts and minds for worship. Please join me in reciting the church's chalice lighting. Mm -hmm. 
you will find the words printed on the white page in the order of service. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. And now we will join together and sing hymn number 100, I've Got Peace Like a River, hymn number 100.
remain standing for the affirmation and doxology. You can join me in the recitation of the affirmation. It's printed on your order of service, and it begins, Love is the doctrine of this church, the quest of truth is its sacrament, and service is its prayer. To dwell together in peace, to seek knowledge and freedom, to serve human need. To the end that all souls shall grow into harmony with the divine. Thus do we covenant with each other. Our doxology. Please be seated. So this morning's Time for All Ages is a drops journey by my colleague Tim Atkins, and Amelia here is going to be helping me, and so are all of you. As part of today's story, we are going to be making some sound effects, and I'm going to help us practice first, and then Amelia here is going to hold up some signs for us to cue us when it's our time. So our first one is whoosh. Second one is whoosh as well. We don't need to practice that. Third one is plip-plop. Plip-plop. Perfect. Then we have another whoosh. Next, you can choose to clap or say plop. So, perfect. And they'll have another one of those. Then we have a woohoo! Woohoo! And then finally, we get to make some waves. Perfect. There'll also be a point in the story where I invite you to suggest some ideas of some journey the water may have gone on. I don't want anyone to be surprised. So just be thinking about that. Ready to start, Mia? Yeah. Perfect. So our story begins. It was my earliest memory as drifting up through the sky, heading further and further up. I couldn't see anyone else that looked like me, but I could somehow feel that the sky was full of things just like me. I kept rising. I started to gain a form that I could see. I was a single drop, but I was part of something greater. Together with other drops, we formed a family, a big, fluffy family. We floated around the sky for what seemed like an eternity, but eventually we started to fall back down to earth. Through the trip back down to the ground, it was pretty fun, and I was surrounded by friends and family, and I still felt lonely, though. I missed that feeling of being part of something greater than myself, I was, it was fun floating around in the sky. I felt like I was losing part of myself as I fell toward the ground. Before I knew it, splat. <laughs> That's okay, this one. There we go. I hit the ground hard. There was green stuff all around me and I slowly started to sink down into the ground. It was cold and dark, and I was scared. 
Some of my friends that fell to the ground with me disappeared into different roots, and I felt alone in the darkness. I kept falling and falling through the ground. It was so dark, I couldn't see where I was going, and I thought I'd be stuck alone in the darkness forever. And then I slammed into something pretty hard. And I was stuck against a rock and a hard place for quite a long time. It took time, oh so much time, but I made it past the rock. And then I met other drops, drops like me who made it past the rock, and we started to come together. This was a very exciting time for me. These were entirely different drops than I had met before, and they had some really interesting stories to tell. I remember one had been part of a plant that got eaten by a deer, and one had been in a great storm and was blown all the way through the tree. And another drop. <laughs> Any suggestions? <laughs> Where would another drop have been, Mia? Um, another drop could have been... In the wind. Another drop blew through the wind. Thank you for the suggestion, Mia, and letting me put you on the spot like that. It was nice having so many different drops from different backgrounds come together. Eventually, our stream, that's what we called ourselves, made it out of the darkness and into the light. We saw all sorts of fun sights, and soon our stream joined with other streams. We weren't worried about losing each other because we had found even more friends along the way. We became more than individual streams. We became a river. Our river merged with more and more. Soon we joined a big body of water, one of the other drops called the sea. I never felt more at home. There was a big community of all of us individuals drops of water. Some came from rivers. Some came from the sky. Drops continually joined us, and we were celebrated upon arrival. Drops would also leave us, disappearing back up to the sky. And although we mourned their loss, we knew they were continuing on their journey and wished them well. I had made it through the dark times and arrived at my home. In our story, drops of water came together from different streams to find a community. Together, they merged into a river, and later became, came the sea. When the two sources of water merge, it's impossible to tell which water came from which source, and a true community is formed. We all come from different places and different experiences, but when we unite as a community, we are inseparable. And that is our story for today. So I want to thank you all for helping, and especially my helper, Amelia. And even though our kids are not going to be heading off to their RE groups this morning, let us sing our children's song as a blessing to those who are here and those who are joining us from afar. Remaining seated, please join me in singing May Peace Surround You. I'd like to invite you all now into a spirit of prayer and meditation.
I always say that to pray, you have to use your whole body. So I invite you to center yourself, as is your custom. If you pray with your eyes closed, now's a good time to close them. Regardless, take a moment and take a deep, intentional breath. Become aware of your heart and your chest. If you're lucky enough to have come here with someone, become aware of them sitting next to you. Let us journey into silence with these words. Holy wisdom, holy breath, holy life. We pray comfort for those who mourn, healing for those who suffer in body or mind, and freedom for those who are oppressed. In a time when violence seems to be all around us, we pray for peace and for wisdom to calm the voices that incite others and to heal the divisions that lead to hatred or fear. We pray for those who hold high offices, that they may listen and speak thoughtfully and respectfully and seek the good of all. We pray for our church, for the guidance and comfort it gives us, and for the people we know who inspired us by living their faith. Now let us call to mind all the joys and sorrows in our lives, and let us meditate on them in silence together now. Amen. Please stay seated for our prayer hymn, number 1007 in the Teal Hymnal. There's a river flowing in my soul.
we take an offering each Sunday to give our, our material resources with generosity and gratitude. The act of giving is a symbolic reminder that giving is just as important as receiving, that sharing what we have is how we live out our value of generosity. The mission and ministry of UU Wausau is made possible by the generous support of its friends and members. Rather than pass a plate at this time, we've placed an offering basket in the back of the sanctuary for you to drop a gift in. You can also stop by our website, uuwasa.org, to make a one-time or reoccurring gift with your credit or debit card. Thank you for your support. This morning's reading is a blessing or a poem by the late poet and priest John O'Donohue, uh, which he entitled for one who is exhausted. And the poet writes, when the rhythm of the heart becomes hectic, time takes on the strain until it breaks. Then all the unattended stress falls in on the mind like an endless, endless increasing weight. The light in the mind becomes dim, Things you could take in stride before now become laborsome events of will. Weariness invades your spirit. Gravity begins to fall inside you, dragging down every bone. The tide you never valued has gone out, and you are marooned on unsure ground. Something within you has closed down, and you cannot push yourself back to life. You have been forced to enter empty time, the desire that drove you has been relinquished. There is nothing else to do now but rest 
and patiently learn to receive the self you have forsaken in the race of days. At first, your thinking will darken and sadness take over like listless weather. The flow of unwept tears will frighten you. You have traveled too fast over false ground. Now your soul has come to take you back. Take refuge in your senses. Open up to the small miracles you rushed through. Become inclined to watch the way of rain when it falls slow and free. Imitate the habit of twilight, taking time to open the well of color that fostered the brightness of day. Draw alongside the silence of stone until its calmness can claim you. Be excessively gentle with yourself. Stay clear of those vexed in spirit. Learn to linger around someone of ease, someone who feels they have all the time in the world. Gradually, you will return to yourself, having learned a new respect for your heart and the joy that dwells far within slow time. There it ends the reading.
Well, it's good to see all of you to kick off this new church year. I can see that some time away this summer hasn't changed the fact that you all still run on Unitarian time. It's good that we got here a good 15 minutes late. It's also wonderful to have Karin here, Margaret, and Donica for the music. It's beautiful this morning. I take as my sermon text today the second verse of the second chapter of Ecclesiasticus and the Apocrypha. So the Apocrypha is a section of the Bible that the Catholics make quite good use of, but Protestants, they just tend to mostly ignore it. The author of Ecclesiasticus is a Jewish scribe named Ben Sira, who lived in the second century before the Common Era, and he captured a terrific bit of wisdom when he wrote, and I quote, set a straight course and keep to it, and do not be dismayed in the face of adversity. In the King James Version, that same sentence waxes poetic. I love this line. Set thy heart aright and constantly endure, and make not haste in time of trouble. I love that line, set thy heart aright. Whichever version you prefer, they both convey the same message. Adversity is guaranteed. Now, I would ask for a show of hands, but I know that if I asked you to raise your hands, if life for you has been only sunshine and warm breezes and ice drinks with those little umbrellas in it, nobody would budge. Our collective faith, with strands going all the way back to our distinct historic faiths, universalism and Unitarianism, they teach this lesson from the word go. When in this church we welcome a new child and I preside over their baptism or dedication, I make certain to give them a rose with the thorns still on it. And I also take a bit of dirt and then I rub it into the baby's hands. I don't do this to annoy anyone, contrary to what some of you might think. I do this because in order to bless a child or to bless anyone, you must say only what is true. And the truth about life is that it can be as beautiful as a rose is red. But it can and it will draw blood, and your hands, along with the rest of you, will eventually get dragged through the mud. In some Greek Orthodox churches, after an infant, and note that I said the word infant, after an infant is baptized, the priest uses one of his large pectoral crosses and he strikes it right across the child's bare chest. They do this to send the exact same message we do with thorny roses and muddy palms. They want to convey the fact that in life you will suffer. In seminary, one Old Testament professor, he liked to remind students that you can read the Bible cover to cover and come away with any number of unique messages and metaphors. But if you take the Bible as a whole, she said, there's really only one message you can come away with, and that is this. Without hardship, there is no such thing as faith. So it's not just Orthodox Christians and Unitarian Universalists who warn of life's messy bits. The first of Buddhism's noble truths is dukkha, the truth of suffering. And the Catholic mystic Father Richard Rohr says, and I quote, All healthy religion shows us what to do with our pain, but great religion shows us what to do with the absurd, the tragic, the traumatic, the nonsensical, 
the unjust. What Father Rohr is getting at is this. When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. We're challenged to change because the unpleasant truth about pain is that if it is not transformed, pain is transmitted. The key word there is transformation. Note that. This past week, our Jewish brethren, they celebrated Rosh Hashanah, or the Jewish New Year, in which the faithful ritualized the confession of sins. And so Jews everywhere set aside time in their busy lives to do good deeds and make amends with people they've wronged. In other words, they sought transformation. And in synagogues during Rosh Hashanah, rabbis play for their congregations the shofar, which is an ancient musical instrument carved out of a ram's horn. And what they do is they play four sets of distinct notes to remind everyone that God is their God, God who has been with them since the Jewish people were formed, the God who was with them in Egyptian captivity, wilderness wanderings, and in the ghettos and gas chambers during the Second World War. God is with them in the best of times, and especially the worst. And our spiritual ancestors at this church, the Universalists, believe that the God of the Jews gave the world a son who became flesh and blood like us. This is the story you'll remember that we tell every Christmas. And so God's son, Jesus, the gospel tells us, lived and preached and served those in need, which turned him into an enemy of the state. And so after one of his friends betrayed him, he was tortured and killed, but in so doing, he overcame the world. But for those of us who've yet to overcome the world, we are left with adversity, a time of trouble, to use the words of Ben Sira. And in his lifetime, much like today, if people actually followed them, Jesus' teachings were controversial. They were rooted in Jewish scripture, often drawn directly from the words of the prophets and psalms. One thing that troubled the, relig the religious establishment of the era was Jesus' teaching that the divine is never simply within a church or a cathedral. You see, the divine isn't captive to human architecture. God, the holy, the divine, the very source of life, you can't put it in a box. Of course, a church or a cathedral can be a place where the divine is encountered, but the place is not the encounter. The encounter is the encounter. Jesus flipped the script when he taught that God's joy lives in us. The holy's love is in us. Life and all that comes with it is ours. It's inherent, to use the language of our first principle. And note that the word there is ours and not yours. It's this joy and love and life that's felt most completely when people gather around a kitchen table. They gather around a sick bed or march in a demonstration or work a food pantry or gather for coffee after church. The house of the holy, put simply, is wherever the faithful have gathered. And what a joy it is to be gathered with all of you on this sacred occasion to celebrate the start of our church's 152nd year. The water communion and in-gathering service is a time set aside to celebrate the gift of one another, the honor of living together as a spiritual family. You see, community isn't something that's made. This community is a gift. 
all those wonderful, silly, gorgeous people who sing in our choirs and sit in our pews and pray for us and behave sometimes, forgive me, but nevertheless behave sometimes like idiots and sometimes like saints, like us. We are privileged to dwell here and come to know love and joy and life amongst the people who, when gathered for worship, they become the church. We are the beneficiaries of the grit and generosity of generations of people who gave us this church and a religion that challenges us to live unselfishly. Our ancestors gave us this church so that, like them, we might learn together how to be better than we are. So if you really want to know what matters, this is a question I've been thinking about a lot this summer, what really matters. If you really want to know what matters, my suggestion is you ask someone who's truly lost everything what they want. Read a book by someone who is in prison. What they want is they want to be with the people they love. They want a safe place to call home. They want to love and they want to be loved. Adversity in life is guaranteed. And it's during turmoil that we seek the inner strength that helps us not only endure, but overcome. And it's precisely in difficult times that we should look not to what we've been given, but to what we have to give. Now, that might seem counterintuitive, so allow me to explain. So if you get the Wall Street Journal, you know that yesterday you read uh, Peggy Noonan's Saturday column. And she wrote about what it was like to live in New York City in the time after the September 11th attacks. And so in the weeks after the attacks, Noonan, she asked her readers to send her stories about what happened to them on that tragic day. And she was flooded with letters from people who lost loved ones, with accounts of people's last words that were left on answering machines. And so when Peggy read those letters from people who lost so much, from people who we might say lost everything. She saw that what healed the collective trauma was the fact that everyone went through it together. They mourned and picked one another up as a community. She described the weeks after the event as, I quote, an explosion of love. And when she wrote about it again on the 15th anniversary, this is what she said, quote, there's a big unseen current of love that hums through the world, and some of us plug into it more than others. Some of us plug in more deeply and surely, and it fills them with courage, and it makes everything possible. This courage, Noonan writes, this courage comes from love, a love that hums through the world. As Fred Beekner said somewhere, quote, by all the laws of both logic and simple arithmetic, to give yourself away in love to another would seem to mean that you end up with less of yourself than you had to begin with. But the miracle is that the reverse is true. To give yourself away in love to somebody else is to become for the first time yourself fully. And how is love experienced? It's experienced with one another. It's experienced when we look not for what we have, but what we have that we can give. By giving ourselves to this hour, to the needs of this church, you give the gift of community to people who need it. And all of us need somewhere to belong, especially when we're broken down by things without and things within. 
And so here in this church, we give the gift of second chances. We give the gift of friendship and fairness. And in the midst of a world with so much trouble, we sing with confidence that there is a river flowing in our souls, and it tells me that I'm somebody. And it tells me that you're somebody. You see, you don't get that message at night whenever you turn on Fox News. You won't get that message whenever you watch MSNBC either. You won't get it at a Packers game or a Bucks game either. And you definitely will never get it at a Brewers game. (laughs) So let us honor the start of this new 152nd church year by coming forward. By coming forward with our waters that we've drawn from special places. And let us give thanks for the gift of this church and for the gift of one another. And so friends, if you brought water this morning, please come forward. I'll turn a mic on so you can speak into it. My vial of water came from the Wisconsin River, and for me it symbolizes the fact, or brings home the fact, that I am privileged to live in a place that has clean water and abundant Mine is from my Brita, but it's in a container that has previously held Swedish lingonberries from Door County, which is my favorite place to experience water. My water comes from my tap at home, symbolizing the lush summer that I have enjoyed here in Wausau with grandchildren visiting. I was maybe just reminded yesterday that today was the water ceremony. So maybe a little bit lazy, but this is from my home um, that I'm extremely grateful for that has sheltered me and my family um, more than usual over the past year and a half. I'll simply share that this symbolizes an ocean of hope and love for the world right now. Our water is from Lake Michigan. We have picked representing water, water representing our happy place up north at the lake as a family. And now this water represents the middle fork of the Flathead River where we uh, whitewater rafted this summer. from my kitchen sink. I'm just very thankful we have clean drinking water. 
is from the St. Croix River. Um, a week ago, I dropped the child off at University of St. Thomas in St. Paul. So I'll be crossing that river a lot more. Um, and as I've been saying, my heart is breaking for the loss of my child from the, from the home, but it's so full for watching her move forward and pursuing her dreams. And the other one is from Lake Michigan, gathered um, from the Eastern Shore um, near Traverse City. Um, and that was where I spent my childhood summers um, and was finally able to bring my children there for the first time this year. This is tap water from our kitchen faucet, and it is oboe water. <laughs> it, it enables me to make those little pieces of cane uh, produce a uh, joyful or terrible noise. River. My water's from my rain barrel. I was so grateful this summer to be able to water my flowers and landscaping from my rain barrel almost every single time. My water is representing a gratefulness for water this summer, just aware of, of drought and arid conditions this summer in a way that I have rarely been aware of before. My sister in North Dakota, they went for months without any rain whatsoever. Um, I went out west where it was extremely arid and dry and I just, I love how green and filled with water we have here. And then um, a forest fire in northern Minnesota that came dangerously close to burning down a, a summer camp that I had worked at and loved beyond belief. So I'm um, just an awareness of the importance of water and gratefulness that we have it here. My water symbolizes our crazy, wondrous sandhill cranes that live very near us outside and in our home. Amy, I'm going to follow your lead. Nourishing rain barrel, rainwater.
Now that we've partaken of the communion, let us rise and spirit our body for our closing hymn. since we can't reach out with our hands right now, reach out with your hearts. And may the truth that sets us free and the hope that never dies and the love that casts out fear lead us forward together until the day spring breaks and all shadows flee away. You're welcome to have a seat, relax and enjoy the postlude and join us for our first ever very special coffee-less coffee hour. Uh, I hope you stay and mingle and chat with one another and enjoy the beverage, I guess.
See? 